Well, hey, friends, welcome to Wednesday, August the 17th, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Enough for Today. We are into the middle of the week, Wednesday. I hope you're having a good week. We have had a busy week at the ministry, and I hope you'll pray for us. We are uh, undergoing a ton of construction at our school in relation to the fire. A lot of great people leading that effort and mitigating that effort. And then uh, we've had great meetings in preparation for school, new staff joining us. Uh, Friday, we have a staff development day all day. So it's just been um, a, uh, an extremely busy time in all the right ways. Uh, there's a good kind of busyness, and we're thankful for the blessings that God has given to us. And so, but you pray for us. We still need wisdom every single day. Even as I'm starting my day today, I would ask you to pray that we'll have wisdom and uh, seek the Lord and His leading in every meeting, every appointment, every situation. Tonight is groups at Emmanuel, so join us in person or online. Kids and teens will also meet, and it'll be a great night of, of spiritual growth and relationships. Well, we're in Psalm 56, and we changed paragraphs today, and I, uh, I'm excited about that. So we left off, the, the idea of this psalm is that David is fleeing. He's, he's a young man. He is not yet king. He's a friend of the king. He's a friend of the king's son. And the, uh, the king, Saul, knows that David has been chosen to be the next king, and he's trying to kill him. Um, because he doesn't want the, uh, the, he does not want the, the throne to switch. Siri's talking to me. Sorry about this. Um, he doesn't want the throne to go away from his lineage. So he does. He wants David dead. And Saul has become an envious, uh, bitter, angry, murderous man. And so, um, so David is fleeing, and he's uh, among the Philistines just to save his own life. He is literally wandering. Um, and avoiding the traps of the enemy. So this psalm is him rehearsing his situation to God and declaring his trust in God, crying out for God's mercy. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. We've talked about these great truths, and these great realities. Now look at verse 8, because David begins to unfold more of God's understanding of his situation. He, he falls back into God's uh, authority over the universe and over his circumstances, God's sovereignty. He says, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? And there's some profound truth here. There's a, this is a profound prayer. First of all, David says, God, you know, you, thou tellest is the sense that God uh, takes account of, or he numbers, or he records. He knows exactly where David is, uh, how he got there, and where he's leading him. And I, we could just park right there for the rest of our time together. You um, have this ground-level, day-to-day view of where you are, and so do I. And um, it's a it's a very re- real experience to just kind of be lost in the circumstances or the fog of our day or our season or our moment. But never is God lost. Never is God disoriented. He always knows right where we are, right how we got there, and right how to get us to where uh, he wants us to be. He tells our wanderings. He records our wanderings. He's better than uh, than the uh, than the directional chip on your phone or your watch. He knows exactly where you are. 
Thou tellest my wanderings. I love that. In fact, it reminds me of what we talked about a couple weeks ago, the, the disciples in the storm. They rode for eight hours, rowing that boat, trying to get to shore. They were only three miles from home, but they rowed for eight hours. They traveled four miles into nothingness. They were no closer to home. Maybe they were further away. Uh, they, they don't even know where they were. But Jesus came to them in the storm, walking on the water. He knew exactly where they were. He didn't have to look for them. They were never lost. They were never out of his care. And then as soon as he got in the boat, of course, Peter walked on the water to him. We know that story. But as soon as they got in the boat, they were at the shore. So it's like time warp. And by God's timeline, immediately, they were where he wanted them to be. So what a profound illustration when we think of thou tellest my wanderings. Well, secondly, David says, or requests, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Now, there's ancient uh, Middle Eastern customs, Roman customs and, and others, of uh, of setting bottles by the graves of those uh, loved ones who have passed. The idea is that um, those bottles contain the tears or the grief or the sorrow that those who have been left experience. The sense is that every tear is sacred. Every, every tear matters. Every tear has value. And that mystical reality for uh, other religions is an actual reality in uh, for those who follow Jesus, for those who believe in Jesus and know God. God, in some sense, and obviously the bottle is figurative, um, although the next phrase, are they not in thy book, that's not so figurative uh, because God says he has a book. Um, he has a book of life, and apparently he's got a record. So the bottle and the book, are they not in thy book, is this simple, simple uh, reality that not one single tear is unrecorded and unnoticed and unvalued by God. Every single one of them is uh, not only recorded, okay, but that means it's got value, it's got significance, it bears weight with God. There's some reason for it. There's some purpose in the story that he's writing. There's some value that he's going to bring out of it. Romans 8, he works all things together for good. So it is just a huge assurance today that I can't wander anywhere into any situation, any storm, any difficulty, that God didn't trace my steps there, wasn't walking ahead of me on the way there, isn't in it with me while I'm there, and then doesn't walk me back out of it because he tells my wanderings. And then in all the grief and all the sorrow and all the burdens that we bear, there isn't a single tear that goes um, unmarked, unvalued, unrecorded by God. It's in his bottle. It is in his book. And so he he gets it, he knows, and he understands. And I'll tell you the other sense of this is sometimes um, life is about wandering, but it's not meaningless wandering, even though it feels meaningless. Sometimes life is full of tears, but it's not meaningless tears, even though at the moment it feels destitute or despairing. Um, this is a journey of wandering, and I'm going to wander through that situation, and God's going to bring value and meaning from it. One day I'll understand all that and I'll thank him for it and I'll say it was worth it. Let's go to verse 9 and then we'll wrap up. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Now I want you to just, just marry these ideas. David is wandering, lost, far from home. He's not among friends. He's not among family. He is... Uh, completely displaced, disoriented. 
and he doesn't really know where he is, how he got there, how he's going to get back. He, he describes it as wandering. And he says, God, you're tracing every step. And then he's crying a lot. But he says, you know, these tears matter, and I'm going to cry them uh, intentionally. I'm going to let them flow because God records them. God knows them. Uh, God's familiar with them. Jesus understands not only the feeling, uh, but the struggle to process that feeling so that we're living in faith and living in purpose. And then David says, I'm going to cry to you, Lord. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to shed these tears to you. In other words, they're not just going to fall to the ground uh, in my loneliness and solitude and isolation. They're not just going to be meaningless. No, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm sending these tears up uh, to you. And Lord, I know when I cry to you that in time is, is the sense here, my enemies will turn back. Uh, God, I've already counted on your word. I've already put my trust in you. I'm deciding not to be afraid. Now I'm going to process the journey. I'm going to process the emotions of the tears, and I'm going to process them to you. And I know that you're going to turn this enemy back because here's the underlying grounding reality, the underlying foundational truth. God is for me. Now, what makes that possible? Of course, my friends, the gospel, Jesus. His love on the cross is the loudest declaration in the face of all doubt. No matter what circumstance you face, no matter what emotion you experience, what, what tears you cry, what wanderings you experience, you can look up, you can look to the cross and see the Lamb of God, Jesus, the Son of God, God in a body, suffering for you. And you can say, God is for me. He is with me. He is in me. And he is for me. So we're going to pause there at verse 9. Uh, what a great start to the day. Um, I don't know what you've got on your schedule today, but it can't be nearly as, as audacious and, and overwhelming um, in the sight of the phrase, God is for me. This I know. There may be a lot you don't know today, but this I know. God is for me. Hey, happy Wednesday, and I'll see you tomorrow.